0: Good morning. Some of you came in here today and your life is a mess. And it's so much of a mess, you've been trying to mask it for a while, and you're exhausted. And I believe the Lord has a word for you. And I believe that God wants to do something in your life that is new. And so we're going to pray to that end. Before we do that, I want us to do what we do each and every week and that is remind ourselves that the kingdom of God is on the move all around this planet and it's so much bigger than just us in this room and so today yes amen God is doing amazing things through churches and people just like you and just like me all over this planet and so one of the things we like to do is lift up another work of the Lord that's going on around the world and so today we're going to pray for first assembly of God and their pastors Greg and Ginger Kelly as we pray for ourselves one thing I want you to note is please come out this afternoon at four o'clock if you can Uh, we're going to have an open board meeting as we talk about uh, the issues that we are facing in the United Methodist Church and so I want you to have relevant information I want you to know where we are and so please if you can come back at 4 pm. we will have child care for that. Uh, it's very, very important for us as a church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come in this moment. And Lord, before we pray for ourselves, we pause and we pray for first assembly. Lord, we pray that you would be with their members, Lord, we pray that you would protect them. Lord, we pray that you would bless them as they continue to build your kingdom. We pray for their pastors. We pray for their leadership. And, Lord, we ask that you would continue to inspire them as they are leading in these difficult days. And, Lord, we pray that your kingdom would continue to grow exponentially in that house. And so, Lord, now we also pray for ourselves. Lord, as we come in this moment to open your word with your presence very real in this place, we ask that you would speak. Lord would you speak and Lord I pray that you would forgive the sins of our speaker this morning for they are many help us to see Christ just Christ through Christ we pray and everybody said amen Amen. we're in a series entitled in this house where we're looking at the five aspects of a Christian life that are absolutely essential and we started this series off in week one talking about how that worship is our passion In week two, we talked about how that community is our priority. And last week, we talked about how that serving is our privilege. Today, I want to talk about how that growth is our plan. Growth is our plan. But in talking about growth being our plan, I do not want to talk about just some ways you can grow. Uh, odds are you know ways that you can grow I want to talk about the heart behind growing I want to talk about what goes on in our life and how we can actually posture ourselves and position ourselves to grow in life and so where I want to start is with the simple fact that if growth is going to be our plan we have to understand that everything that's healthy grows everything that's healthy grows now unhealthy things can grow as well absolutely but everything that's healthy Grows, And in order for us to grow, in order for growth to happen, two things have to be in place in our life. Number one, we have to know God. Number two, we have to be submitted to God. Both of those things are absolutely important. You cannot be submitted to God unless you know God, but you have to have both. You have to both know God and be submitted to God. Because the greatest question that we're ever faced, the greatest question that we live with every single day, the questions that we ask people when they come forward to be baptized are, do you believe that Jesus is both your Savior and your Lord? Both Savior and Lord. We, you know him as Savior, but you're also submitted to him in your life as the Lord of your life. And both of those things are so important. If not, if not, we'll find ourselves in a very dangerous place as people who claim to follow Christ. In fact, if we claim to follow Christ, we're going to fall into one of three categories. One of three categories. Either number one, we're going to find ourselves living as a cultural Christian. And by cultural Christian, I mean we find ourselves in that place where we we say, you know, I've kind of always gone to church, so I go to church on Sunday, uh, or I started going to church recently, and church is just kind of my social network. It's where I meet people and things like that. And and I'm really not sure, if you're a cultural Christian, you're saying, I'm really not sure about Jesus being Savior. Maybe he is, maybe he'll save me, but he's certainly not Lord. And a lot of people live, especially in the South, as cultural Christians. It's just the kind of the thing we do. Because we've always done it. The second category that we could find ourselves in is living as a complacent Christian. And we've come to that place where we're complacent because, yes, we believe that Jesus is Savior. And we're really, really happy about that because we don't want to go to this place called hell, whether there's fire there or not. We just don't want to go. But I'm not really sure about Jesus being Lord. I'm not really sure about Jesus telling me how to live my life here and now. And I'm not really sure I want to submit to him. And so we can get, find ourselves in that place where we say, oh yes, I believe Jesus, oh yes, bless God, I'm going to heaven one day, but Jesus is not having an active role in our life right here and now. The third category is the one that I hope we are all living in, and that is as a committed Christian. And when I say the word committed Christian, I mean that, yes, Jesus is your Savior. Yes, eternity will be with him forever. But yes, he is also Lord of your life right here, right now, and you are submitted to him. And I think it takes both of those things for us to get to this place where we have a posture, where we're positioned to really grow in life, really grow. And I think whenever we come to that place where Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord, that's where we see both of the hands of God move in powerful ways in our life. Now, you may say, what do you mean by the hands of God? Throughout Scripture, we see this over and over again. There is the invisible hand of God, where God works through his providence and his sovereignty behind the scenes. And many times it's a mystery until we have those aha moments, how God worked things out. But then there's also God's right hand, Scripture says. And this is the hand of manifestation. This is when god moves in your life in real time and real space and you know it's god and when you come to that place where you are where you really believe that jesus is both savior and lord both hands of god are at work in your life isaiah said in isaiah 64 verse 8 he says and yet O lord you are our father we know you as father We are the clay and you are the potter. We all are formed by your hand. We are formed by your hand. Notice that you see the two things at work there that we know you and we're submitted to the forming that you're doing in our life If you look throughout scripture, you see this idea of the hand of God moving or the hands of God moving over and over again For example, I'll give you a few God created the world by his hands The the Bible says Acts 750 quoting Isaiah 66 says didn't my hands make both the heavens and the earth It was Job who said in Job 10, you formed me with your hands. Not only did God create the world by his hands, he holds everything together by his hands. Psalm 95 verse 4 says, he holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountain. Not only does he hold everything together by his hands, everything we have comes from the hand of God. And we need not forget that. Psalm 145 verse 16 says, When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and the thirst of every living thing. But not only does God do these big cosmic things by his hands, he also works in our life by his hands. That's why Psalm 32 verse 4 says, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. And there the psalmist is talking about conviction in our life. When we experience that grace of conviction where God is showing us that something in our life is not aligned with him, it says his hand is heavy upon us in those moments. Not only that, we see that God's judgment comes from his hand. Psalm 75, verse 8, for the Lord holds a cup in his hand that is full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours out the wine in judgment. Powerful image. But not only that, we see throughout Scripture that the people of God come to God and they plead with God for his hand to move in powerful ways and protect them. Psalm 74 verse 11 says, Why do you hold back your strong right hand, the hand of manifestation? Unleash your powerful fist in my life we see over and over that god uses his hands to protect his people to act on his people's behalf psalm 138 verse 7 though i'm surrounded by troubles you will protect me from the anger of my enemies you reach out your hand and the power of your right hand saves me this is so important for us to understand that god's hands are at work in his creation we do not believe that God just created the world, then backed away from the world for it just kind of to work like a machine. That God is involved in what is going on, both in, on, in the global level, but also in our lives as well. And where this plays in with our growth is that when we come to that place where Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord, both of the hands of God are at work in our life in powerful ways. And there's no greater image than this than Jeremiah 18. And in Jeremiah 18, we see Jeremiah talking about the hands of God at work in creation. And it has both national implications, but also personal applications. And so let's go back to Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18 says, the word word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. He says, I'm going to say something to you. Verse 3, so I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his will and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands. Notice that. That word spoiled here, it literally means it did not turn out as planned. So many times that's how life works, isn't it? It does not turn out as we have planned and sometimes when we're not cooperating with God, when he's not Savior and Lord, it doesn't turn out how God planned the question is what does God do here notice it says the clay was spoiled in the potter's hands and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do not the clay the potter so hold on to that we'll come back to that verse 5 then the word of the Lord came to me O house of Israel cannot not do with you as this potter has done declares the Lord behold like the clay in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. I believe if we're going to get to that place where we are growing exponentially in life, there are three things that have to happen in our life. The first one is this, if you like to take notes. If I'm going to grow, I have to live on the potter's wheel. I have to live my life on the potter's wheel. And you may say, well, what do you mean by that? When I say live on the potter's wheel, I mean I have to be present in, in the fact that I am actually on the potter's wheel. I live with an awareness and a receptivity to what God is doing in my life and how He is molding me and how He is shaping me. One of the phrases that gets thrown around a lot in our culture, is this idea of be where your feet are. Have you ever heard that one? Anybody ever said that to you? Be where your feet are. It means be present right where you are, right where you're standing. Coaches use this with their players when they say, hey, I want you to be where your feet are. Keep your head in the game. Know what the play is. Know what you need to do next. Be present in the moment. And this is a challenge on, in many different ways. If you look at life and you think about your life, this is what we want to do. We want to be where our feet are. If we're with our family, we want to be present with our family in that moment, not having our minds somewhere else. If we are at work, we want to be present at work. Well, not all the time. But anyway, most of the time we should be present at work, right? Being productive citizens, right? But the same is true spiritually. The same is true with us spiritually. We can go to worship. We can go to a Sunday school class. We can go to a small group. We can go to Wednesday night. We can even bow our head in prayer. And the question is, are we really present in that moment? Are we living our life on the will, on the potter's will? Or is our mind somewhere else? So many times we spend our lives always thinking about the past and what happened back there and living off of what God did yesterday, or we're always thinking about the future. What could God do in the future? But when we're living on the potter's wheel, we know that God is at work in our lives right here, right now, and we are aware of that, and we're seeking greater awareness of that because we want to be receptive to what God is doing in our life. Most of the time we spend our lives trying to get to this happy place and happy. Happy pace in life, don't we? I mean, most of the time that's what we want. It's like when life slows down, right? I mean, we we use all of this language and we're just trying to get to this happy place in life because we all want to be happy, and we're trying to get to a happy pace of life. And and the truth is when you live on the potter's wheel, and if you live life just in general, uh, sometimes life is speeding up, sometimes life is slowing down, but it's a constant transition, just like when the potter is molding the clay. And we have to get to that place where we can live in those transitions in life and just how the world works. Sometimes life is slowing down, and we need to learn to be present with the Lord even in the mundane things of life. Sometimes life is speeding up, even getting chaotic, and we have to learn how to be present with the Lord even when everything around us seems to be going crazy. And we have to learn how to navigate those transitions as we live on the potter's wheel very present, very aware, Of what he is doing because we want to be receptive to what he's doing point number two is this not only do we have to live on the potter's will number two is that we have to lean into the potter's work we have to lean into what the potter is doing you know in the great big scheme of things I've only been doing this thing called pastoring for like 20 years okay but over 20 years over two decades I would say one of the greatest epidemics we have in the church Is that Christians somewhere along the way stop leaning into what the potter is doing in their life. They stop leaning into and letting God mold and shape their life. Maybe we have a conversion experience or God reawakens us in some way. And then we're on fire for a period of time and then that just kind of burns out. Happens all the time. All the time. And in that burnout phase, normally what we do is we stop leaning into... What God is doing and how he's molding us and shaping our lives. Anybody who has had a radical conversion experience where you move from light to darkness like that and you know it was Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit doing that, you know what it feels like to walk those few days after that conversion. You know what it's like to be on fire and be hungry for the things of God and in God's word, and then you may know what it's like for that to fizzle out over time. And all of a sudden, you find yourself not leaning in. All of a sudden, you find yourself compromising a little more, whatever it may be. That is a very real reality that we live with. And over and over in life, whether we feel it or not, we have to continually lean into what God is doing, the work that God is doing in our life. If we don't lean in and continually seek that awareness and continually seek to be receptive to what God is doing, you're just going to live life frustrated. You're going to be frustrated with God. You're going to be frustrated with the people of God. You're going to be frustrated with everybody around you. And you're going to live a miserable life because you stop leaning in. Maybe life got a little hard. Maybe something happened in your life It kind of threw you off kilter and you stopped leaning in. Isaiah says in Isaiah 45 verse 9, this is a verse we should read every week. It says, What sorrow awaits for those who argue with their creator. So many times when we stop leaning in, we start trying to tell God how to do what? and what he should do and and so many times we say no no no, not me not me i would never oh yeah oh yeah because when we stop leaning in we start resisting and with our lives maybe not with our mouths we start telling god you're doing it wrong he says what sorrow awaits for those who argue with their creator they're not being receptive does a clay pot argue with its maker does the clay dispute with the one who Shapes it saying stop. You're doing it wrong Does the pot exclaim how clumsy can you be? We read that and we're like of course we would never say that to God But again, yes, we do in so many times not with our mouth But how we live and actually how we rebel And we have to lean into the work that God is doing in our life We will either lean into it or we will resist it When we lean into the work that God is doing in our life It means we're seeking to be sensitive we want to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life and how he's molding us and changing us and shaping us. And we have to be sensitive to that. But if we don't, if we don't lean in and become sensitive to what God is doing in our life, uh, we're just going to become cynical. We're just going to become cynical. God's wrong. Other Christians are wrong. I know the way it should be done. Cynical. If we lean in to what God is doing in our life that's when we are submitting to the hands of God at work in our life. If we don't submit to the hands of God at work in our life, we're just going to be selfish. We're just going to be selfish. We're going to say this is what I want, this is what I want to see, this is what I don't want to see, and I know what's best. And Isaiah says, "What sorrow awaits?" What sorrow awaits? Another way of saying that again is you're going to be miserable you're gonna be miserable and you know what miserable Christians do right you know what we do when we're in that place where we're miserable a lot of times the first thing we do is is we run we just run from God we run from everybody we, we say well church is not feeding me or I need some new friends or whatever it is we just run and we run and we run and we run the second thing that we do is we just become really negative have you ever noticed that some people are like nice negative and some people are mean negative you ever notice this like some people they're so negative but they're smiling and so you really don't know how to handle that you know listen whether you're nice negative or mean negative you're still negative right still negative negative. and when we're miserable we run we're negative not only that sometimes we just shut down and we just go through the motions for a while going through the motions never last very long never last very long before we get to the breaking point what sorrow awaits for those who argue with their creator instead of leaning in, being receptive to what God is doing we have to remind ourselves all the time guys we are clay not the potter I know you want to be. So do I. But we are clay. We're not God. And so not only do we have to live on his will, we have to lean into his work, the work, the deep work he is doing in our life. Point number three is so important, though. Not only do I have to lean into the potter's work, but I have to leverage the potter's rework. And this is what I want you to see this morning. I believe somebody needs to hear this. I have to leverage the potter's rework. Did you hear what Jeremiah 18, verse 4 said? It said, The clay became spoiled in the potter's hand. And some of you, that's where you are right now. You're in that place, and you're tired, you're fatigued, you're frustrated. You're frustrated with God, you're frustrated with people around you, you're frustrated with you, you're frustrated with your walk. You may even find yourself right now, you say, Chris, I am totally a cultural Christian. I'm not sure where my salvation is with Jesus, and I certainly do not believe he is Lord of my life. You may say, Chris, I'm just complacent. I really want to go to heaven one day, I'll believe Jesus for that, but I cannot believe him to change anything in my life right now. You may be in that place where you're running, and you're on the run, you've been on the run. You may be in that place where you're perpetually negative and you don't know how to break out of it you may be in that place where you're just going through the motions and you're about at your breaking point because you can't keep the mask on anymore but notice what the text says in verse 18 it says yes the clay spoiled in the potter's hand notice the potter did not freak out the text just says the clay spoiled was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel he just reworked it into another vessel I don't know where you are, but I know who God is. And because I know who God is, I know that you don't have to stay where you are. And God has the ability to rework our lives into another vessel. We just sang about it. God has the ability to rework our lives. The rework of God, there's a theological term for it. It's called grace. Grace. And God has the ability through His grace working in our life to rework our life in such a way and therefore help us grow and become the people that He sent His Son to die for us to be. And so for everybody in the room, For everyone online, on television, wherever you are right now, and you feel like you have failed, you have failed this week, you have failed over the last month, over the last year, or even longer, I'm here to tell you, God does not throw the clay away. He reworks it into another vessel. He reworks it. I have clay here. Imagine that. This is like legit clay, by the way. It's very heavy. And it stains my hands. Notice the text says, it was spoiled. It did not turn out. It was not looking. It was not going to function the way he had planned. And again, so many times what happens is we think that God just says, I'm going to get rid of this clay and I will get some more clay to work with, and he doesn't. The text says he... Reworks it. He reworks the clay. In order to rework the clay, you got to smash it down back to a form that God can begin again. And some of you have been feeling the hand of God on your life, and that hand of God is God smashing some things that need to be smashed so that He can begin to rework some things in your life. And I know it's painful. I know it's uncomfortable I get it but it's God reworking what has spoiled what did not go according to plan and notice Isaiah 41 Isaiah 41 verse 10 says don't be afraid for I am with you don't be discouraged for I am your God I will strengthen you and I will help you I will hold you up with my victorious right hand victorious right hand remember there's two hands of God the invisible hand that works behind the scenes God's providence God's sovereignty in human history in our lives and then there's the right hand of God the visible hand of God the hand of manifestation and what God says is I can reach down into your life with both hands both hands and I can mold you again Have you ever tried to work with clay with one hand It's a little complicated. You see, when God has both hands on your life, both of them, where you're saying, God, yes, I want you to work behind the scenes. I want you to work, Lord, and work things out, things that are even a mystery to me and and how all that works. Yes, God, I want you to do that. And I want to live in your right hand, the hand of manifestation where you are actively working in my life. I want both hands on me. That's when you'll grow. Listen, you can go to as many Sunday school classes as you want to go to. You can go to as many small groups as you want to go to. You can come to worship as much as you want to. You can go to any conference you want to. And unless God has both his hands on your life, it's not going to mean a hill of beans. But when you say, God, I want both your hands on my life, he will make something beautiful. Psalm 31 is what I pray our prayer is today Psalm 31 the psalmist said my future is in your hands plural both of them Both of them And what I know about when we make that kind of declaration the same hands that reach down into the dust of the earth to form man in the beginning they don't mind getting dirty they're the same hands that reach into your life now as clay and mold you into something that looks a whole lot like Jesus instead of the person you want to be and I'm telling you that's the only way to live some of you are wondering if God is done with you? Is he throwing you away so he can get some new clay? And the answer is no. He can rework your life in such a way. He can rebuild your life in such a way that it is more beautiful and functional than you ever dreamed of and than it ever was before. And my prayer is that you would submit to Jesus being both Savior and Lord so that both of His hands Grip your life. So Lord, let it be so. Lord, let it be so. Whatever you need to rework, would you rework it? Whatever you need to start fresh and new, would you just start fresh and new? And I pray that our prayer would be what the psalmist prayed so long ago. Lord, just say, my future, wherever it takes me, my future's in your hands, both of them. So, Lord, would you grip us like never before, and I thank you that your grip is not too strong, it is not too stern, it is full of grace, it is full of love, because you want us to be the people you sent your son to die for us to be. So, as we come to this moment, I pray for divine submission that you would be Savior, that you would be Lord, and that we would see ourselves as the clay submitted to the potter. Would you do it, Lord? Because we can't. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said. "Well, Church, we're about to sing a response song called Where I'm Standing Now. And I believe that this song is a testimony for many of us. Look where I'm standing now.